0: A topic that has gotten a lot of attention, appropriately so, and probably not enough attention from a lot of sources, including other podcasters and journalists and people blogging within the healthcare field, is the topic of healthcare violence. And I don't think enough can be said about this. It's very disturbing, I think, to anybody that works within healthcare, but really should be disturbing to everybody, as these are the people trying to help other people's lives get better, and as a result, many lives of people that work within healthcare are absolutely destroyed by the violence that happens to them. And I don't want to get today too into broad comments about the topic of healthcare violence, other than to say a few things that apply to the case I do want to talk about that may be applied more generally. And so the case I want to talk about happened two years ago here in Colorado Springs, and it was an incredibly tragic day. And it still goes on because to this day, the man who wounded nine people with a gun assault weapon, and then killed three people that day, one of whom was a police officer here in Colorado Springs, has still not been held accountable. And this terrorism, which goes on, but really was incredibly awful the day that it occurred when it was a freezing, snowy day here in Colorado. And this guy held our city resources, such as our police officers and rescue teams and EMTs and all kinds of people, including the hostages and people that couldn't move around the city at bay for five hours, more than five hours, actually. And it was 15 degrees outside. So try and imagine that, that you're a SWAT team member and you're outside literally with your rifle pointed for this mass killer, this terrorist, for over five and a half hours where your hand is completely numb from the cold for, you know, over the past five hours. It's incredible to think about what some of these heroes did in Kahraw Springs, And, and this is a town that truly has a lot of heroes, if you know anything about Colorado Springs. And this guy who lived in Hartzell, Colorado, which is a little over an hour outside of Colorado Springs, it's up in the mountains, Um, he wasn't from Colorado. He spent his life in North and South Carolina, and then had moved here rather recently. He attacked a clinic, and this clinic, by far, in a way, the majority of what it does is... STD testing and treatment, pregnancy services, gynecologic care, obstetric care, birth control, and while they weren't doing it on the day of a shooting, on rare occasion, abortion. It was our planned parenthood center. So this guy who did the killing, and I hate even mentioning his name, but I think we're going to have to, is named Robert Deere, and in case you're wondering, should there be a trial to figure out whether or not he did it? That's not even the question. And he has said several times, I am guilty. And even though he has used that exact term saying, I am guilty, he says it's okay because he's had dreams that when he goes to heaven, he's going to be met by all the aborted fetuses at the gates of heaven, and they will thank him. He's, he's said that. And as difficult as it is for me to put this aside, I do realize there are people that are listening to this and know about this case and actually feel that it is justified to kill abortion providers or bomb abortion clinics because they actually do feel it will save aborted fetuses that will uh, keep children in their mind from being killed. But Again, even if you feel that way, um, which I think is crazy, but if you do, then you have to at least acknowledge in this case, I don't think he killed anybody that was getting an abortion that day or was planning to get an abortion at all for that matter. And, you know, clearly the police officer that's responding as well as friends of patients in the clinic who got shot or accompanying people were not there to get abortions and one of the women that died certainly was just hanging there with a friend who she had helped just bring to the clinic for women's health care that day. And I'm not trying to talk anybody out of their abortion beliefs, I really just want to focus on what happened with this healthcare violence and one of the problems I still face in my mind uh, that I think is just unjustifiable and why this issue can be so difficult to deal with. So, you know, you may be one of those people who feels that every early miscarriage that happens, which probably happens at least uh, 10 to 20% of the time early in pregnancy, and you just think it's a late period or uh, whatever, you may realize that it was a miscarriage if it was several weeks down the line. And you may feel that that incident as a woman or as a husband, was as terrible as losing your eight-year-old son in a car wreck. There there are people that feel that way. I don't think I can argue for or against abortion being legal in a very short period of time. So that's why I'm not trying to get overly into that topic. But what I do want to talk about is that we are coming up on this second year anniversary of this severe episode of healthcare violence. And the courts have got us nowhere. And, and this is a symptom across the United States. I'm just using this episode, which really hit home here in cara Springs, because listen, by the way, the people that worked and volunteered as healthcare providers in this clinic, I know a guy who by far is considered one of the best emergency room nurses, very experienced. He's worked at our hospital, one of the hospitals here in Colorado Springs for years. Um, He still provides frontline care, but is who everybody goes to and, you know, one of the charge nurses and just an amazing guy. I didn't know he even did anything at this Planned Parenthood Center, but he was there that day, that day when it happened. One of the people... Um, that witnessed this whole event. So it can be people that work in your clinic, in your healthcare hospital, um, that also often, as we know, have more than one job. I'm not at one hospital. I've literally been at five hospitals here in College Springs, well, one just closed. So now we have four because our LTAC closed. But you get the idea. You can be anywhere on any one day, and just because it didn't happen at your specific institution, um, it can happen at that place any one time. So where we failed? So the courts have completely failed us once again. And this is a symptom that's happening throughout America. So Robert Deer, who admits his guilt, but really doesn't feel guilty about it, he wants to defend himself. And he's been very consistent in not being repentant. And we can't even get to trial. We're two years out and we can't even start the trial. Because people have to fight about whether or not he's competent or has capacity to be able to be his own lawyer. So can we start with saying that every neuroscientist and shoemaker, for that matter, can agree that Robert Deere is not wired right? And why does that matter? Because if we take drunk drivers that didn't have their brains functioning right when their vehicle runs over a kid. We take that into account, but we don't say there is no fault. You could be drunk out of your mind, you know, basically more than insane at the moment, like not even remember what happened and had no idea what you were doing. And yet we we have to take that into account and, and put some blame and fault on the person who did that. Homicide, the vehicular homicide in that case. And which mass murder of civilians should we look at as the example of sanity? Even if gunshots or someone wanting to provide their future defense happened in a moment where there was a lack of free will, we have to recognize this guy's consistency over the last couple of years. Nothing about him has shown a temporary lapse in behavior. If he isn't the proud author of his actions, then let's see if any expert mental health provider becomes in favor of him buying a house next door when he is cured of his condition. These mental health experts arguing that this may not be out of this patient's if he's a patient, and that's what they're arguing, is that he's a patient. And, you know, that, that's a whole other topic. But they're basically arguing he didn't have free will or he's insane. And, and again, I'm saying, okay, fine, both of those are right. But they know that there really is no hospital or medication that will cure him, even if their idealism argues otherwise. If there's no cure for his verbal and physical madness, then let's accept that is who Robert Deere is. And yes, it was his genetics and environment that made him that way. Except that the neurophysiology of mass killers will nearly always be judged insane by anyone sane. Terror seeking killers are indeed not wired the same as other citizens. And there have been true examples where, you know, tumors have been found in the brains of some of these killers. So it's not just theoretical. There are true neurologic problems happening in that brain. Now, getting back to Robert Deere, an epiphany by this man at a later date will not change his core of who he is. The question of capacity and competence are important in things like brain tumors, brain injury, and acute major alterations in neurotransmitters, you know, like being drunk or high on meth or whatever, but it is the wrong question to ask in these types of cases. The man is telling us his rationale, holding firm to his beliefs, and nobody can say it better than him if he wants to provide his own defense. This case has become a money game, and even if it's subconscious, And that, you know, is not the real intent, meaning it's just the money game has become a subconscious intent. This community, as well as the United States, has to hold the courts and expert witnesses accountable for this stuff. This charade to pay expert witnesses, and you guys know I've talked about this, where I have been an expert witness on occasions, and I have found some of it to be ridiculous. I mean, obviously if we're really just trying to get to the heart of the matter quickly, I do think we need medical expert witnesses. But if the charade is going on, I've been in depositions like this where you get asked the same question 10 to 20 times in different ways because it gets the hourly rate up, You know, as far as the number of hours that the lawyers on both sides are charging. I guess the rate stays the same, but the number of hours goes up, and they make more, and, and so do the expert witnesses, whether that's a physician or whoever else. It's it's a really awful system for taxpayers and our city and America. And here we are. So we're coming to the end of 2017. Robert Deere killed a police officer and civilians back in 2015. He drove many miles with a loaded weapon to his target, and is very Consistent, saying he did it and is not repenting. And labeling him and then prescribing these non-existent anti-evil pills will never change this long period of this man's life. And would we really care? Do we care if Osama bin Laden immediately was labeled unfit or later developed regret before we killed him? Why do we have such double standards when somebody kills and terrorizes within our own city or country? The irony is we as a society have also become insane. Not only did he absolutely devastate so many lives, exhausted multiple city resources on that entire freezing day, generate medical and and truly lifelong traumatic costs for the victims, And now we play this game of pretending we have unlimited resources for our, not for his, for our ever-increasing legal expenses to keep this farce going. I know firsthand we have a broken medical system. Nearly everyone has concerns about our political problems. The sad part is that neither our medical system nor political system are as crippled is what our legal system has become. We just don't pay as much attention to this topic of where the courts have gone, yet these issues are overwhelming and not bringing the innocent or the guilty more justice. In fact, lesser-known cases receive less resources and justice and get drawn out longer because pageants like these take so long. In fact, I've been watching documentaries and 60 Minutes and other articles I've been reading where people can't even get to trial because they can't get a public defender because there's not enough of them in many areas of the country. And yet we spend so much time on this type of a case. Now nobody I have met has continuously made perfect decisions. We should have lines in the legal system for compassion and sometimes mercy for temporary poor behavior. Unfortunately, our courts have shifted from a pragmatic line to a metaphysical line. The injured in the families of the dead will never move on. Why must we keep picking at their wounds? When Robert Deere gets sentenced, it won't undo our incompetence, our incompetence as a nation in our courts. This isn't about punishment. This is about rediscovering our lost sanity. Let's hope that happens. This is Dr. Gil Peratt. I'll catch you on the next round.